This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to this week's excerpt from the Dear Prudence podcast. To get the full-length members-only version every week, join Slate Plus at slate.com slash prudipod. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to Dear Prudence once again. And as always, I am Mallory Ortberg, also known as Dear Prudence. With us in the studio today uh, is our guest, Sarah Hoggy, who I'm very excited to get to introduce to you. But first, I'm going to declare a moratorium on two types of questions that I simply cannot answer more than once. Uh, There are two questions that I get, I would say, reasonably often. I would say they, they compose anywhere between 5 and 10% of the mailbag. Um, they are almost always from people in heterosexual relationships or marriages, usually long-term ones, and they fall into one of two categories. Um, one is uh, I am married to someone and everything in our relationship is good except for the division of chores in the house and it's making me miserable. Uh, and the other one is, again, usually not always a heterosexual relationship. Uh, my spouse of so many years has been putting on weight and I'm no longer attracted to them and I don't know what to say or do. And I get these questions a lot and I, I don't have a different answer for them each time. So uh, I think part of what's hard is these are both really tricky and thorny and daily issues uh, and I don't have a lot of great advice beyond talk to each other. Um, You know, division of labor is a huge deal. It's just like what goes on in your home on a daily basis. And uh, stuff like attraction and weight brings up all kinds of different issues for different people. And there's the question of like, uh, you know, what are reasonable expectations to have of other people? How can you balance, um, you know, truthfulness with kindness? How can you be gracious to your partner, um, but also be honest about what you want and you need? What are ways in which like certain assumptions come into play? What are ways in which cruelty comes into play? Um, but I just want to kind of acknowledge like those are sort of perennial advice column questions um, and beyond the really basic Be honest with your spouse about what you need. Be honest about what's not working. Don't be cruel. Be aware that, like, it's very possible to hurt someone that you're in a long-term relationship if you say something about the way that they look. Um, You know, you have to sort of balance that against having an honest conversation. Um, 
these are just difficult issues. And especially when I get a letter from someone who's 15 years into a relationship uh, and you've never talked about the fact that your husband or wife doesn't do the dishes, uh, it's it's just going to be tricky. It's going to be tricky. And I don't have a brand new answer for these like age old questions. I definitely wish you all the best. Uh, I think that you should always seek to be honest in a way that is useful rather than in a way that is just unnecessarily full of detail. Um, but I, you know, I, I do not have a, a magic answer for either one of those. And you're just going to have to hash it out with your partner. Um, and also, it never works to have a chore wheel. Chore wheels do not appear to work for anyone. Maybe one person has had a chore wheel and it worked out great and everyone was happy. And I would love to hear from you if it did. But it seems like chore wheels do not bring peace but a sword. And on that note, I want to introduce Sarah Hoggy. She is a Vice Canada writer. She is from Toronto. She is my friend from the internet. Hi, Sarah. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm great. Who does the dishes in your house? Um, so we have a dishwasher, um, not like a physical person who's washing dishes. Uh, but um, right. no, I live with my sister and uh, I feel like I don't even use that many dishes, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of throw them in the dishwasher when I'm done. I am actually really impressed with that because I sort of thought when I moved from an apartment to a house and I got a dishwasher, I thought I'm going to be a really different person now. No longer will I like let the sink fill up with dishes that I lie to myself and say I'm going to do in five minutes. And then like a week later, it's this mountain of garbage in my kitchen. Um, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to put everything right away in the dishwasher and just everything will get easier. And it turns out I'm exactly the same kind of person. And I will still leave dishes in the sink, even though the dishwasher is right there. And I don't even have like a roommate or or a partner to blame it on. It's just me and and my indolence. And that's really bad. It, wow, thank you. Yeah, no, it is really bad. I'm <laughs> I'm a bad no, roommate. It is. I mean, it's it's a machine that's there only to wash your dishes. I actually had a an aunt of mine like just did not trust her dishwasher. What? She started using it as storage. She would like so it's like full of pasta and stuff. It was so weird. Like I'm sorry, hang on. Like she would make fresh pasta and dry it <laughs> no, in the no, no, no. or like put boxes like in there. Dry pasta. Like if you just open like if you want to get something, you'd open the dishwasher and you'd be grabbing pasta or like like a can of beans. I don't even know how that worked, but the, she just didn't trust her dishwasher. Your it aunt sounds really incredible. Weird. Could we get her on the show, please? <laughs> yeah, and she'll tell you all about how dishwashers are distrustful. I, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um all right, so so with the spirit of your aunt in mind, um, with that sort of practical, outside-the-box, solution-based thinking, um, I'd love to tackle some of the questions uh, that we've got on deck for today. Sound good? All right, I'm ready. Fabulous. All right, I'll get us started with the first letter, uh, the subject line of which is just, should I butt out? Dear Prudence, my boyfriend and I are good friends with Wanda. He's close with her, but I don't know her as well. We also really like her boyfriend, Dan. Recently, we were the first to arrive at their house for a dinner party, and I saw Dan reach for a wine bottle. I noticed a deep, fresh, deliberate-looking cut running along his wrist. I didn't say anything about it. Nothing about him had struck me as suicidal or depressed upon meeting him, but I've had many depressed friends, and I know what serious cutting looks like. What's the best thing to do in this situation? Do I speak up? Do I express support? Do I say something to Wanda? Is this none of my business? Please help. Sorry I got us started with, like, the easily the toughest letter in the in the queue yeah that is a toughie that's a doozy it is do you think by the way before we tackle this like is there a chance that 
she didn't understand what she saw. Like, is there a chance that this was some sort of accidental thing? Um, or, or, or do you feel like her instinct is likely to be true? I honestly think it could be either one. I mean, weird stuff happens. Um, you know, she, I could totally see myself accidentally having a cut that looks like that. Um, but also, I mean, it could, but I feel like if it was, um, intentional, um, maybe he would cover it up if it was super fresh and it was kind of a sort of, you know, scary thing. Yeah. I I feel like too is now is a great time to preface this with just that like neither of us are, uh, you know, mental health professionals, neither of us are therapists or psychiatrists or doctors. So, um, like I want to tackle this in a way that is maximally, uh, compassionate and helpful, but, but also be aware that, um, you know, this is not something that we are we are experts in. Um, but OK, so bearing in mind that it's possible that this is what she thinks it is and it's possible that there is an alternate explanation. Um, wh- what do you think would be the best the best next thing for her to do? I think she should talk to um, her boyfriend. And I mean, because she's she's not close with Wanda or Dan. So she doesn't know what they're like. She doesn't know their lives or their personalities. I feel like her boyfriend would be the best person to talk to um, as far as knowing what to do. Because, I mean, sometimes you'll have a friend where that, that is something you can bring up and be like, hey, what's going on? Is there anything we should talk about? Is there anything you want to talk about? Um, but she should absolutely not say anything herself because I, I feel like that's just a bit too much. I, I I see that I'm a little inclined to come down on the other side because it does not sound like the letter writer's boyfriend saw. Um, so uh, there's the, the the slight difficulty of coming to Wanda and saying, hey, my girlfriend saw something and I'm telling you, um, as opposed to I saw something and I'm concerned. Um, she, she, she does say that she doesn't say, like, we're total strangers. I understand it would certainly be a bit uncomfortable. I'm inclined to think it's better to come down on the side of being slightly uncomfortable just because yeah. the possibility of missing something I think would be worse. Like, obviously, it would not be appropriate to, like, show up and demand an explanation and insist on having a really deep conversation. But I I, I can see a version of this where she says, Wanda, I just wanted to check in with you. I had such a good time with you guys the other day. Um, I, I had to say I saw something that just raised a, a, a level of concern for me. I just wanted to check in with you. I noticed that Dan had a pretty serious cut um, along his wrists. And I just wanted to check in and see, like, is he well? Are you guys okay? Is there anything that we can do in order to be supportive? And if this is private, if you don't want to discuss it, I understand and I won't bring it up again. To kind of let her know, like, I realize this is personal. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to push the issue. I'm not going to force you to discuss it with me. But I do want to acknowledge what I saw. I don't want to pretend it wasn't there. Because I imagine it would be really painful if this was intentional, if he is going through a really difficult time to feel like someone saw this, but no one's talking about it. That's sort of sometimes people are afraid to talk about stuff like depression and and like yeah. no, self-harm. Sure. And like um, if no one's talking about it, it's like, oh, what do I have to do? Yeah. I mean, it, it is very personal, but I feel like it could also bring someone closer to show I mean, I care about you. I just want to know what's up, if there's anything I can do. So, yeah, I am leaning a bit more towards what you said. I guess usually my first response for this kind of thing is like, maybe it's not my business and they don't want me to know and I don't want to embarrass them or make them feel like I'm judging them. But 
I approaching it with kindness and empathy and just being, you know, non-judgmental, I think really helps. Right. Right. Well, and to that end, maybe rather than having her boyfriend uh, have the conversation, she could certainly ask his advice. Like, I don't know if she's discussed it yet with her boyfriend, but she can say like, hey, I saw this when we were at the dinner party. To me, it looked like a very clear cut, like self-inflicted injury. Um, But I really want to like, I don't want to overstep boundaries. I don't want to be pushy. But like, you know, Wanda better than I do. How would you go about approaching this and like maybe bring him onto your team um, so that he can kind of help you figure out the best way to to say something? Um, Because, you know, ideally, um, he would he would also be, you know, lovingly concerned. Yeah. I mean, if her boyfriend knows Wanda any more than she knows her or Dan, then I feel like he could at least give some kind of advice about how to approach it. And that's what I would do. I would talk to the boyfriend. I would talk to my boyfriend first if I were her. Right. Just yeah, like, if he's closer. Yeah, um, so this is what's up. But I think it would just be better to err on the side because it's not like this letter writer is saying, like, do I need to do something? Do I need to intervene? Do I need to, like, call the authorities? Because, like, clearly we're not at this level of intervention. Yeah. Like, it sounds like she's pretty reasonably just thinking of how can I say something supportive? And then if I'm wrong, like, back off, um, which I think is a, a pretty kind thing to do. But um, that is really tricky. Like, you don't always know what's going on with somebody else. You don't know if part of the reason he let you see that is because some part of him would like someone to notice and say something, or if there was an accident, or if he just, like, let his sleeve slip and didn't realize you could see it. Like, there's a lot of different possibilities. So I think to go into this being aware that, like, you saw what you saw, but you don't know the full situation. So whatever answer Wanda gives you, be prepared to, like, follow her lead. And I think, by the way, uh, neither of us thinks she should speak directly to Dan. Do you th- do you think that that would maybe make more sense? I mean, no, she does know him no. less well, but okay. I, I don't think so. I mean, because... Tell me more about why. I I just feel like... It's there. She's not really Dan's friend. I mean, the only reason why they know each other is because Wanda and her boyfriend are are pals. You know, um, I mean, I, I it didn't even occur to me to ask Dan. <laughs> no, I was thinking that too because my instinctive response was also no, and I'm trying to figure out why that is, and I'm trying to figure out if that's just because there's a part of me that sort of buys into the idea that it's shameful to bring up the possibility of like depression or suicidal ideation and that the worst thing you could do is to say something directly because that might be embarrassing and i wonder like is that actually like something that should guide your actions like if you saw it from him um yeah and and you do you know it does say like we like her, her boyfriend like they've they've had dinner with him they're not strangers um i'm i'm thinking through like maybe maybe she could say something to Dan because it is him, right? Like, it isn't yeah, his it girlfriend. Is. It's, it's, true, yeah. it's him. And I'm trying to think, like, okay, let's say she calls Dan or or sees him around and, and asks, like, can I talk to you for a second? Um, it does run the risk of putting him on the spot, certainly. But it also does... It, it 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 avoids another issue, which is like this feeling of like everybody's talking about me, right? Which is like, well, true, I saw yes. something from you, so I went to my boyfriend and then talked to your girlfriend, and this is all about you, um, as opposed to just saying something directly. So I, I actually might think that there is a case to be made for for saying this directly to Dan, um, just because he will have the most accurate read of the situation. He'll be able to let you know if he does not want to discuss it. Um, 
and and he could also let you know like actually I am talking about it with Wanda like I'm you know it's not a secret I'm trying to like get help or um you know thank you for asking it was an accident um I'm I'm actually doing well and then you then you'll have your answer um as opposed to you know possibly playing like the telephone game with other people because it is true the last thing you want to think regardless of why that cut is there is to be like man everyone's talking about me you know? Right. Um, he could clear it up right away. Um, they could just move on easier. I mean, if he, if it is a sensitive topic and maybe he's offended by the way it's asked or that it has been asked. Um, I mean, you can move forward from that in my opinion. Right. Cause you could just clear it up and say, this came from a place of concern. I just want to talk to you instead of, you know, going around. I just want to know if there's anything I could do for you. Yep. Um, yeah, that that's straightforward. Like, I, it's true. Why should she have to go around and ask Wanda or her boyfriend? Especially because, right, the same problem exists with Wanda as it does with Dan, which is that the letter writer it likes them both, knows them both, but is not terribly close. So it's not like, oh, I'm really close with Wanda, so that part would be easier. If it's going to be a little uncomfortable either way, you should just go yeah. for the direct thing. And you can just, yeah, make it really clear, like, here's what I saw. It concerned me. I hope that you're well. If you want to talk about it, I'm available. Um, if I misunderstood or if you don't want to discuss it with me, I totally understand. Um, I really enjoyed spending time with you and I won't bring this up again unless you want to discuss it. So just really like lay it yeah. out there. Be direct. Be clear. Let him know that you are not going to badger him. Um, and then if he wants to talk about it, then then you can proceed from there. But yeah, I think I think let's yeah, talk to Dan. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, and also like she tells her boyfriend who tells Wanda who tells Dan that that kind of makes it into a huge thing when it might not need to be um, right right especially like if weird, he's like it is a weird way to transfer information around it is it is um so i think direct is best when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply do you want to read the second letter? Yeah, sure. Um, it's called, We Just Don't Get Along. Uh, my boyfriend and I have a wonderful relationship, but I have a not-so-wonderful relationship with his business partner, Tim, who is also his best friend. We do not get along, have gotten in disagreements before, and ultimately, I've just decided to largely avoid him and or maintain polite conversation. However, he comes into town and stays with us for a week or so. He's a messy, inconsiderate house guest, and, and I'm also fairly type A, so this doesn't help. It stresses me out. It stresses my boyfriend out that everyone doesn't get along, and ultimately, we end Tim's stay completely fried and with me needing to decompress for days after. They are in a creative business. Neither of them have much money, so a hotel is not an option. My boyfriend is sad we don't get along, and I'm dreading the thought of maintaining this kind of polite distance for the rest of my existence. Any advice for navigating this? I don't think Tim is going anywhere, and neither am I, but the stress of having him in town for a week once a month is getting to me. Um, can I just start off by saying having someone once a week— uh, 
at your house a week, once a month. That's like a huge deal. I That's why I included this one, too, because there's a lot of letters of like my partner has a friend I don't like or somebody was a bad house guest. But this is like almost having another roommate. For sure. I mean, if someone stays for a week, a month, they end up like leaving a mark. You know, he probably has a toothbrush. There's like a probably like a whole he's too familiar. I think that's too familiar. It's it's tough, though, right? Because like this is not just like a buddy that they need to hammer out different boundaries with. This is a business partner who it sounds like needs to be in town for them to work. Um, And they're both in the stage where their business is not very profitable. So he doesn't have a lot of options in terms of places that he can stay. So um, I'm I'm not sure how how many options I could present to this letter writer that don't involve this is the reality you should accept if you're going to keep dating your boyfriend. Yeah, certainly. Um, I I feel bad because she shouldn't be stressed out by this. Um, And the way it sounds is kind of like, yeah, I mean, if this is, you know, how it is, Tim doesn't seem like he's a great house guest and that kind of sucks. I mean, has she talked about it? Um, I feel like getting into actual disagreements with someone who's really close with your partner is that's a big deal. Um, yeah, I, I, wow, this is kind of shitty. Uh, sorry. I don't know. Can I say yeah. Shitty? You can say shitty. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. The one thing that I would say, the one like ray of hope is there are two separate issues here. One of which is just you and Tim don't get along and that's fine. Um, and I think one thing that you should absolutely accept is that the most that you and Tim will ever be to one another is like polite. And that's totally okay. And, like, you should feel comfortable with that. You should express to your boyfriend that you love him. Um, Tim's not the guy for you. You're always going to be polite to him. But, like, he should not try to foster some sort of closeness between the two of you. Just because your boyfriend cares about you and Tim uh, does not mean that you two are going to get along. Um, the the separate thing from that is that Tim is a piece of shit house guest, um, and yes. that you absolutely can do something about. And this is something where you and your boyfriend uh, get to do some teamwork together um, and just like make it really clear to Tim, hey, if you're going to stay here like once a month, um, you have to pick up your own shit. Uh, you have to like wipe the sink down when you're done using it. Don't leave like your beard trimmings everywhere. Um, don't leave the toothpaste squeezed out everywhere. Put your dishes away. And like that should just be super straightforward. And like, Tim, motherfucker, you're not keeping up your end of the deal. Get it done. Like brisk business like this is about housing. Yeah. I mean, I don't she definitely doesn't have to be Tim's friend. You don't have to be friends with your significant other's friends. She I don't think she needs to like Tim at all. And in fact, she has plenty of reasons to not like him. Um but the issue is, of course, that he's a shitty house guest. And to me, uh, it seems like her boyfriend isn't setting those boundaries. I mean, he should be the one telling Tim, you know, you're here once a week every month. That's a, that's 12 weeks. I mean, if December counts, he probably isn't there during Christmas. But I mean, that's like 12 weeks a year that someone's at your house annoying the shit out of your wife. Uh, or girlfriend. Um, so yeah, Tim needs to get his crap together. Yeah, I, I think it should it should be a hundred percent the boyfriend who's telling him like 
we love have I love having you here. It's necessary for our business, but um, we need to set some boundaries. And if they're best friends and they're business partners, it shouldn't be that hard to come up in a conversation. It shouldn't be hard to say at all. Right, right. Um, yeah, like they've already presumably been able to have a lot of like difficult conversations as business partners. So it's definitely on your boyfriend to make it really clear and to enforce these like rules with Tim, like pick up your shit, man. Um, and and that's something that I think will also go a long way towards making these visits less awful for you is like, it's one thing when somebody you don't like is in the house. It's another thing when you don't like them and you're just staring at like their bowl of cereal that's been like on the couch since yesterday morning. I, I, he probably thinks he's so close with um, the boyfriend that it's like no issue at all. I mean, Tim could just be super inconsiderate, uh, maybe less shitty than we think. But I, I do think that he he feels either entitled to stay there or welcome enough to be like, yeah, I love going to their place once a week every month. Right. Well, and I get that this is her boyfriend's livelihood. I get that it sounds like Tim's relationship with him sort of preexisted the relationship. Um, but like, even if he can't afford to stay at a hotel, like, is it possible that like one every four visits he finds like something on like uh, an apartment, like an Airbnb type of situation, which is often cheaper than hotels, like like literally just once every four visits, he finds a place to stay that's not necessarily like a four-star hotel. I don't think that that's an outrageous compromise, um, even if they're not like incredibly cash rich at present. Yeah, I mean, it's it also makes me wonder how much effort is Tim putting into, or does he even care about not staying there or... Uh, yeah, I mean, it should be a priority of theirs to kind of be like, okay, we have to make this work. If I mean, they've had disagreements. Clearly, they don't get along. Um, and I feel like no one's thinking that much about the reader's feelings right now, where it's kind of I mean, she has to take a couple of days to decompress after a visit. And it's I'm sure that's quite obvious to her partner. Um, right. I don't know. To me, it seems like this isn't a priority for anyone but her. Honestly, honestly, I, I don't advise the letter writer to do this. Uh, but if it were me, I think I would probably move out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. It's she seems like she's tolerating a lot of shit. And um, yeah, I just don't think I could be in like a long term relationship with someone I lived with who like once a month for a week every month had somebody over that I like couldn't stand and who treated our place like a hotel like. Yes. I just don't yes. think I could make that relationship work. But it doesn't sound like she wants to break up with her boyfriend. It sounds like she wants to figure out a way to make this situation bearable. So, like, to that end, I think be really honest with your boyfriend about ground rules that he needs to set and enforce with Tim. Um, ask if once every, like, three or four visits he can find a place to stay that's even just another friend's place. Um, and make sure to schedule a lot of out-of-the-house alone time when Tim is in town. Like, be polite to him, but don't feel like you have to hang out with him when he's visiting. You don't. Yeah, and I think most of all, he, her partner should be telling Tim, get your shit together. Um, stop being sloppy. Stop being inconsiderate. You know, no one's here to cater to you. I mean, if you're staying at someone's house once a week every month, I know I keep repeating that, but it's just, that's so often. I know. Um, you're not really a guest anymore. No. You, you can contribute to the household you can clean up after yourself. I mean, there's clearly this kind of that kind of shyness you have when you go to someone's house. 
um, for a week or whatever isn't there. Um, so he sh- if he's going to be treating them that way, he should be able to take, uh, I guess, any sort of feedback. I would. I- I'm really angry right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I- I'm the kind of person who just can't stand having a living situation that feels like really tense and like people are there that I didn't know were going to be there or like I couldn't approve. So like if this were me, I'd be so gone. Like I'd be like, you yeah. are great, and- but I can't like this is a deal breaker for me. I'm out. But- and I mean, like if if that's happening often enough, then the three weeks, it's like he's like a period it's like the three <laughs> weeks around him coming she's yeah. probably like oh no it's time for tim to arrive no totally just, right because there's the week leading up to it where you know like every day is getting closer to tim being here yeah and then the week after is like oh i'm so wiped out from tim being here so basically you kind of only have one week a month that's not like about tim yes exactly. damn it tim yeah that's a lot uh good luck with that that's um uh, yeah. So either situation. I agree with you. Either Tim finds an alternative arrangement where he prioritizes being able to stay somewhere on his own, or he changes his ways and he's just he cleans up after himself and doesn't get into the writer's face. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I think that's about the the most help we can offer her. I wish her luck. Um, Maybe maybe their business will become wildly successful and they can sell it tomorrow and never work <laughs> together again. All right, your turn. Okay, this one subject, it's not because she's gay. Uh, my little sister, who's 25, came out as a lesbian to our family last year and introduced us to her girlfriend. We were all very supportive of her, but she has recently stopped speaking to my parents and me because she believes we are homophobic for not inviting her as often after her coming out. In truth, we don't care that she's gay. We just really don't like her girlfriend who made racially disparaging comments towards my black brother-in-law, refused to eat any of our food, insulted my biracial niece, and has basically made life hellish on every major family gathering. Suggestions that she come over without their girlfriend, as well as comments about the girlfriend's racism, are met with further accusations of homophobia. Do you have any advice on as to how we can be supportive of her, but also defend our values and other family members? Oof. <laughs> um, damn. This is <laughs> uh, this is one of those just wonderful moments where you you have to wonder what sort of weird transitive property the letter writer's sister thinks makes being gay mean that y- you can't be racist. Yes. Like, I'd love to see the, like, calculus equation that she's like, because gay over X uh, is equal to racism to the 10th power. Like, those two things aren't the same. You can be extremely gay and racist. You can be not gay and racist. You can be gay and not racist. Like, you. Yeah. They're not related. It's like saying, I can't be racist. I saw a dog this morning. Like, what? (laughs) Um, yeah, this is, this is messed up for that reason alone. Um, I do feel like the sister, the little sister, um, to me, she sounds like, um, you know, run of the mill person who's really loves someone and is just doesn't want to see the fault in this and is blaming it on their family. I mean, you see it all the time with people where, you know, you'll say something about their significant other 
and they'll they'll try and blame it on another problem or get really defensive and be like, well, no, it's not that it's you. Right. Um, and that sounds like a, cl- it just sounds like a classic case to me, but with homophobia and racism included. No, it's, it's totally the most bullshit argument imaginable. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it is like a reality that like there is a history of like white queer people um, like saying and doing like racially shitty things, racist things. Um, and then when we get called out on it being like, but we're gay or we're bisexual or we're queer. And so therefore can't have just done or said something racist. And it's a total bullshit move. Um, and uh, like when that happens, you can just call it bullshit because that's exactly what it is. So like if your sister wants to live in a fantasy world where lesbians can't be racist, um, all you can do is refuse to indulge her in that like delusion. Right. So like you can just say like, look, I need you to be like, I need you to know on my end, um, lesbianism is not correlated to racism. I don't like that your girlfriend said offensive things to her brother-in-law for being black uh, or that she insulted a little girl for being of mixed race. Um, If you think those are connected to being gay, you've got a really weird idea of what being gay is. This is not okay behavior. And until she can apologize and knock it off, I don't want to spend time with her. Like, draw a line in the sand, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the writer of this letter is kind of caught up on the whole homophobia thing. And um, if I was the writer and this was my sister, I would not give a crap about the girlfriend at all because I mean, there's, there's someone here, the brother-in-law who feels that someone was racist towards them. And there's a kid involved, like you said, who had to experience racism because of someone's girlfriend. And you can't, you can't do that. Like it's unacceptable. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just really upset by this. Uh, Yeah. It, the people it's hurting the most. I mean, it, it's it's just annoying because it shows that the little sister kind of thinks that. So clearly, she sees that she's aware of these racist instances. I don't know how many there are, and also not eating the food and just kind of being a shitty person. Uh, and she's choosing to not focus on it, and uh, that's kind of a huge betrayal, family-wise, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think they should be inviting her over. I mean, the girlfriend, they can really, I, I, oh, sorry, you can go. I'm sorry. I'm just really upset by this. No, don't apologize. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'm absolutely 100% with you. Like, um, first of all, this isn't just like, like, this is the kind of racism where like, you've known her for less than a year and she's already coming over to your house and insulting a little girl. Like, this is, this is wild rude. Um, like, this is way beyond the limits of like, any sort of appropriate behavior. And you have to think, like, what does it say to your brother-in-law and your niece if you, like, let this woman come around again? Like, hey, your family, but, you know, we're super comfortable having this woman come hang out with us, even though she's made it really clear that she thinks less of you because you're black and she's probably going to keep saying shitty things to you. Uh, and we're not really going to do anything about it. Like, that would be totally, totally not okay. So, yeah, I mean... I, I don't understand why your sister thinks that just because she dates women, that means that if those women say and do racist things, they are exempt from being like experiencing the consequences of those actions. They are not. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I also think it's kind of like, does she, does she get how bad this is where, you know, two members of your family are like, this chick is racist and she's awful and 
I, I just don't, I don't understand how she won't do anything about that. Um, to me, the writer has probably said what they could say. Um, you know, she was honest. She said, yeah, it's, it's not because we don't like your girlfriend. You know, we don't care about that. It's because she's a racist and she's a shitty person. Uh, and that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. Um, I think this relationship has to run its course. I, I really don't see what else you can say to someone other than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you have like probably made a very reasonable case that your sister has says, no, she's too gay to be racist, um, which is made up nonsense and you don't have to listen to it. Um, and now you get to say, OK, um, until she is able to apologize and uh, behave like a normal human being, I'm not going to spend time with her. Um, and you're welcome to believe that that's homophobia. If that's what you want, it's not. It's about her racism and just stick to those guns like this is not something you should be indulging. This is not something you should get drawn into a lot of like really long arguments about. Um, yeah. Do not engage with this bananas, bananas reasoning. Yeah. Um, I, I th- feel like it's also a bit manipulative as well. A bit. Yeah. To kind of, to just be like, mm, well, you know what? It's cause you're homophobic, not because she's racist. Like you, you can't do that. Um, it, it's, it's a weird way to manipulate the situation. Um, in making it seem like, no, like you guys are doing something wrong. So it's kind of like throwing them a curveball. So they're kind of, so they have to write this letter and be like, I don't know how to deal with this because she's saying we're homophobic. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, there's just, there's really nothing more to say. Um, you called her out for being racist. You told her what was good and she refused to listen to you. So bye. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. All right. Last one. Uh, it, this is, these are all nice people. So I'm, I'm glad we're able to end the letter with like nice people trying to figure out how to be kind to one another. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the subject of this one is just single friend doesn't want to be single. How do I support her? Dear Prudence, one of my very best friends has been single for essentially her whole life. She's hilarious, smart, well-read and fun to be around. She puts herself out there when it comes to dating. She's open to all kinds of people, has a great career and lots of friends, but just hasn't found anyone to be in a relationship with. She's really frustrated by this and gets down about it. How can I be the best friend possible in these situations? I generally listen and try to ask her how she's feeling, and sometimes I'll give her a pep talk. Sometimes I feel like maybe I should be saying, you don't have to be on hold for a relationship. You can be happy alone. But it feels a little false since I know that she really wants a relationship, marriage, kids, etc., I also at times feel like I hold back from talking about my own romantic relationship with her because it can feel like I'm rubbing her nose in it. So what do I say when she's feeling down? Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, Yeah, I've had a couple letters from different perspectives. And I think the important thing to bear in mind with situations like this is there's no one size fits all, right? Like the way you talk to somebody who's single and really comfortable with it is super different from the way you would talk to somebody who's single and not comfortable with it. Um, And you have to kind of always take into account like, what does this person want? Because it's it's not okay to, like, tell someone who's happy that they're single, like, no, you shouldn't be. You should be dissatisfied. Um, and if someone's really genuinely unhappy about not being in a relationship, like, it can feel kind of cruel and dismissive to say, well, just accept it. Just be happy. Don't want the thing that you want. And, and um, kind of like yeah. thinking about this in terms of, like, what's right for your friend? I f- kind of feel like the friend in this situation because um, – I mean, I'm, I'm super happy with my life. I'm single. Uh, that sounds like I want people to pick me up. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I would like to not be single, but my life is great otherwise. Um, 
And I feel like for the friend, she's really concerned with, you know, um, I don't know. I don't want to rub it in her face. I want to support her. Um, but it also sounds like this friend has a great life. I mean, she's sounds like an awesome person. She's fulfilled in a lot of other ways. Um, so chances are she's probably, you know, really happy that you have this great relationship um, and that, you know, you're, you're happy in your life. And for me personally, uh, I don't care when people talk about their relationships. Um, it, it doesn't make me feel bad when I see, you know, my siblings happily married or see my friends, you know, happily with someone. Um, and I, I, I think she, to me, she sounds like a good friend and I don't think, and I also don't think there's not really anything you could say to someone to make them feel better about missing one part of their life that they kind of can't really control. I mean, if she's actively looking for someone to be with, uh, and she hasn't found them yet. There's not really much anyone can do about that. It's just a fact. You know, she's single. She's trying to find someone and she just hasn't yet. Um, and personally, what I like is when my friends just listen to me complain. Uh, that's I feel like that's all really you can do for someone like that. I mean, just listen to them be like, oh, everyone sucks. I can't believe I'm single. <laughs> you know, just support them when they have those feelings. Um, but I mean, I'm obviously, I, I'm, I hope I'm not the friend in question, <laughs> but uh, I really, I just don't think there's really much to worry about in terms of rubbing it in her face. She's a, she's a good supporter friend. She really probably doesn't care. Right, right. And, and it doesn't sound like the friend is like being snippy or dismissive when the letter writer brings up her own relationship. So I think this is more just the letter writer being overly cautious, thinking like, oh, will she feel bad if I ever mention that I'm dating someone? And it's like, she sounds like a pretty great person. She sounds like a good friend to you. I don't think that it will, like, um, wreck her to hear about your relationship. She knows you're in a relationship. It's not a secret. I don't think that you should, like, refrain from bringing it up for fear of reminding her that you're dating someone. Um, like, I don't think she's that fragile. Um, no. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. And I, the only other thing and I would say is maybe knock it off with the it'll happen, I know it will pep talks. Um, because you don't know that. Um and, I mean, maybe she loves him. Um, maybe what she needs is occasionally to be reminded that lots of people do find relationships and uh, maybe that's helpful to her. But, like, you can also just listen and say, I'm really sorry. I love you so much. Um, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or just keep letting her know that she's awesome and there's probably nothing wrong with her. And it's just it is hard to meet people. It's hard to find someone that, you know, you want to spend the rest of your life with. And and I guess not only that, but I feel like in situations where, you know, there are a lot of aspects of someone's life and it's just like not going well, like maybe they're unemployed or like, you know, they're looking for they're looking for a job or like they, they can't find a boyfriend and they feel shitty about this or that. And I guess in those cases, it's a bit different. Maybe, um, you know, being in a really happy, healthy relationship, maybe it could be seen as kind of like Maybe their friend would be like, yeah, like, you can just shut up now. Right. I don't care. But I, I feel like really, really in this case, uh, I just don't see her friend caring that much. And I do think also the, the it'll happen stuff. Like, yeah, like, that's just kind of something people say to – because you don't know what to say when someone's like, hey, I, I don't want to be single anymore. It's kind of like, okay, you could either – 
reassure them and let them know that, you know, it's going to happen eventually, which is true. You don't know that. Or you could just be like, yeah, that sucks. Um, and you're awesome. So it, it doesn't make sense to me either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally understand the impulse and lots of people do end up in relationships. It's incredibly possible that your friend will. Um, but it, it also may be kind of hard uh, for her to hear, like, I'm sure you'll find somebody when it's kind of like, but that's not what's happening right now. Like, I want to I want to acknowledge reality, even if that reality is painful. And I just like I do think it's great to encourage somebody to find joy in their life in the absence of a serious romantic relationship. But I also don't want to dismiss the fact that she really wants that. Right. Like, I, I, I get it. Like, a lot of people would just love to be in a serious romantic relationship. And that's an OK thing to want. And it's OK to be sad if you don't have that. Um, you know, it's, it's best not to let that, like, dictate your life. It's best not to feel like your life is not worth living um, without a, a romantic partner. But it's also not something that you should just be like, well, it's fine. Uh, I'll just adjust to this other type of life immediately and just be happy with that without any sort of sense of loss. Like, it's OK to be sad about it. Yeah, I feel like in general, people just don't really know how to approach anyone bringing up a type of loneliness or like that kind of desire for companionship. It's a weird thing to bring up because a part of you feels like, okay, if I, if I am saying this, yeah, I feel like there's a part of you that's kind of like, it makes me look undesirable. Like I just, it hasn't happened because nobody likes me. Right. And there's a real, I think, like impulse in all of us when somebody says something about loneliness or not having something that they want, our instinct is to deny it um, like really quickly. Like, no, 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 you'll find somebody or no, you've got friends uh, or no, it's going to be fine. Um, and I get it. Like we want to make people feel better and we don't want them to think that we don't have high hopes for them. But sometimes again, that can make someone feel like you're not listening um, and you need to be able to acknowledge that like whether or not she does find a relationship, she's lonely right now. And that's real. Um, and not everybody finds somebody and not everybody gets into a really satisfying romantic relationship. Some people don't hardly date at all. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because they seem like a real catch. Some people get into terrible relationships and they're much less happy in those relationships than they were when they were single, but they didn't realize it. And everything can happen basically. And, and so I think you're doing great, but, um, just, you know, don't, don't give reassurances that you actually can't back up. Yeah. I, I do think like, I mean, I, I already said this, but acknowledgement and just being like understanding is truly the best thing someone can do. We're just like, you know what? Yeah, that does suck. I mean, maybe it might help someone feel better if you're like, you know, I felt that way too. And you never know when things are going to happen. That's one thing I get a lot. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. She, it, I, I really don't think it's that, as big of an issue for her friend as she thinks it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think your friend probably does not blame you for the fact that she is single. And so uh, it's definitely OK to, like, say the things that you're thinking and, and not worry about whether or not that's going to, like, be rough on her. I want to give you all a piece of advice that I gave to uh, a reader in the live chat this week that I think applies to everyone. Um, she's dealing with a friend of hers who she just cannot stop reading her social media updates and thinking, I don't like any of her choices. She's moved in her kids with another couple. What's going on? Are they co-parenting? Are they swingers? Is she going to be gay? 
Um, and they are just like a dog with a bone. Like they can't look away. Um, and what's funny is uh, if they were to look away, their problem would completely disappear. Um, I think most of us, many of us have at least one friend who is sometimes in the habit of posting vague, darkly ominous uh screeds on on facebook other forms of social media that sort of hint at ooh, there's something titillating here there's something you might not like here i'm not going to go into detail but i will make allusions to it and you can just sit there and think about it um, and that sometimes feels like a really big problem it's actually not and i want to give you all the gift of unfriending or muting that person right now just do it you actually don't need to worry about whether or not your friend is a swinger um, it's not your problem just stop stressing out about it Go ahead, put them on mute, defriend them. That's that's an option to you. You can actually just like cheerfully non-engage with someone who really wants you to closely follow the ups and downs of their social life. Just um, just don't don't worry about it. This is this is a non-problem. Walk away. Walk away from everything, guys. Like this is just good general advice. Burn your house down. Torch your social media accounts. Put everything you own in a bindle and just walk the earth. That's all you need is just a bindle and your thoughts and not worrying about anyone or anything else. Um, So that's my advice to you. Uh, If you're not willing to burn down your house, get rid of all your possessions and walk the earth, at the very least, mute somebody that you've been sort of obsessively clicking on every update that they post and worrying and fretting about what it is they're doing with their life and why you don't approve of it and why they're doing things you don't approve of. Um, Just don't worry about it. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Audrey Dilling. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts, and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. Remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. If you like this show, please go to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and it helps more people find the show. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR, that's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. (laughs) 